This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra. I suppose you have heard the news that there are anti-government demonstrations going on on the island of Cuba. And if you read the news, you found out that the people of Cuba hate their government and that their government is a total failure and that it's a police state and that their economy is in ruins due to their lack of ability to manage a decent economy. And you can listen to these descriptions on radio, on television. You can read about them in the newspapers. And I challenge you to find anything at all in those reports about the role of the United States. Because in one of the, of the articles, if you read it all the way through, in the Washington Post, it mentioned that the, that the anti-Cuban policies of the American government, of our government, are asphyxiating the Cuban economy. Ever since about 1960, the United States has done pretty much everything they could think of to undermine the Cuban government and the Cuban economy. It kind of comes down to the same thing that's going on in Beaumont, Texas right now, where the ExxonMobil Corporation is literally trying to starve their workers into submission. And when they do starve them into submission, you can be sure that they'll say it was their own fault. And so it is today with the street demonstrations in Cuba. All of the media here, all the news persons here, are going to say it's their own fault. It's what they did without any mention of the fact that the United States has been trying to destroy that economy and that government for a long, long time. It wasn't always that way. I'm old enough to remember when the Cuban Revolution first happened, and people my age were very excited about it. In fact, when I joined the Navy, there were two guys from Marshall, Texas, who joined. They were in boot camp with me, and they told me that they had decided to join the Navy instead of stealing an airplane and going to Cuba because those were their choices, and that's what they felt were the choices that young people had in those days if they wanted to live a strong and adventurous life. It brings me to a book I read recently called Washington's Bullets. This is a book that tries to tell with some truth what American foreign policy has really done in the world, how it has really been felt throughout the world. The guy that wrote it is named Vijay Prashad, and I'm not sure where he lives, but in France or somewhere, and it's called Washington Bullets. I bought the book through Amazon. I believe that it contributes to a trend, especially among younger people today, toward a greater awareness of the seamy side of our nation's role in the world. You can be sure that they're not going to learn this by listening to the radio anywhere except maybe our program. And they're not going to get it by watching television. They're not going to get it from 
going to the movies, they're not going to get it from their local library, and they're not going to get it, they're certainly not going to get it from their newspapers. Because frankly, when it comes to American foreign policy, the newspersons lie. They simply say whatever the State Department tells them to say. Some of the ugliest chapters are beginning to be generally known, though, among the technologically advanced, and that, of course, is the young people. The CIA's overthrow of the Arbenz government in Guatemala, their bloody work in substituting dictators for democracy in Indonesia and most of Latin America, the murder of Patrice Lumumba in Africa, and all the assassination attempts against Fidel Castro in Cuba are commonly known today among younger folks. And the book, Washington Bullets, attempts to enlarge the scope of understanding and fill in a lot of historical blanks. The facts are there in the book, but it's kind of a long running list of condemnations and doesn't follow an understandable pattern and isn't as clear as other books on the same subjects, such as, for example, the Jakarta Method. The Jakarta Method tells how the CIA cooperated in murdering a million people in Indonesia. The problem with this book is, is probably that other books take up only a few of the blood-stained chapters of American interventionism, while in this book, Prashad, the author, tries to cover it all. The sheer scope of imperialism's history, running from the massacres and enslavements of darker-skinned people at the very beginnings of colonial America, through the current efforts to starve Iran and Venezuela and Cuba into a submission, might be better explained in a series of books, explaining interventions, for example, in different continents, maybe one book for Africa, one book for Latin America, one book for Europe, or maybe different books for different periods of time, or maybe different books showing different trends in these policies. But anyway, it's really hard to do in one small book like Washington Bullet. Another problem with trying to cover the entire range of international crimes is that American laws protect the documentation from scrutiny for decades before any admissions are made. We're only just now getting official documents about the murder of a million Indonesians in the 1960s, and we don't know much of anything about NATO's current slide eastward. One obvious truth that emerges from Mr. Prashad's effort is that domestic public opinion is always thoroughly prepared before imperialism makes a move. The Gulf of Tonkin Resolution, for example, it is known today as a total sham. It may not have ever even happened, but it prepared public opinion for the invading armies in Vietnam. The invasion of Iraq, a lot of us can remember, was preceded by months and months of repeated nonsense about weapons of mass destruction, completely made up to cover the fact that the Bush administration simply wanted to invade Iraq. The United States is accused of recently engineering the overthrow of the government in Bolivia, but it's barely mentioned here, here in the United States. 
Today we're getting spoon-fed demonization of Iran, Venezuela, and especially China in preparation for whatever they are planning. And we won't get the official release of documents for decades to come. So we find out a lot later, and we darn sure don't find out from the corporate news, the news that's owned by the big corporations, and that's virtually all of it. But communications technology has a way of abrading its way through the sheaths of secrecy. While we're talking, Americans are beginning to lose all hope for victory in America's longest war in Afghanistan. Public opinion already gave up on Libya and Syria. I've never seen an assessment of the effect of ending the draft on imperialism's designs, and I have no way of knowing whether or not Americans are willing to support the inevitable next intervention. But Mr. Prashad's book contributes to a healthy trend toward truth and understanding. Now, we're not going to find out what the United States actually did in Cuba as the Cuban people are uh, demonstrating against their government today. We're not going to find that out. We may find out in 30 or 40 years when some documents are released, and then we'll say, ain't it a shame? But we don't find out now because the newspersons in the United States are attached at the hip to their brothers in the State Department, and they simply tell you what the government wants you to know. That's an unfortunate thing, and it's one of the main reasons why we keep showing up every Saturday to do our program on KNON, KNON.org and 89.3 FM to try to get the truth out through a blizzard of untruths in America. This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra.